Good morning. Glad to see your lovely faces this morning. My name is Randy. For those of you who are new here, haven't met me, I'm an elder here at So Much Coma. Glad to worship, sing with you, sit under God's teaching, His Word um, with you, um, fellowship with you, give hugs, say hellos, all those things God um, knows and made us for, our soul needs desperately. Glad to do that together with you as God's family here this morning. So I hope you're excited too. I'm excited to see what Jesus wants to do with us this morning as he's been leading us to worship. I'm excited to how he wants to continue to lead us to worship as we sit under his word. So thankful for that. Um, like was already said uh, by a couple people, we're gonna be, I'm going to be talking about missional community this morning. And I just want to say from the get-go, being a part of a missional community has honestly been one of the best things um, that's ever happened in my life. I, there's, from time to time, Lisa and I will uh, sit, thank you so much, Brittany, Lisa and I will sit together and just kind of reminisce and think about like where God's brought us to, and when we just think about where we're at marriage-wise and parenting-wise, and a lot of times we're left just in tears, crying, and just so thankful to the Father in the way, in, the way, in a lot of ways, he's kind of reparented us as we've been in community over the the, the several years we've been here, and the way he's kind of healed deep wounds that wouldn't have been healed uh, uh, um, without seeing um, and being seen in people's lives and seeing Jesus work through all that. Um, honestly, I think we've said many times over, without some of these relationships, we don't know that we would be married. We don't know that I would be the kind of dad I am. Not that there isn't a lot more work that needs to happen in my parenting or needs to happen in my being a husband, for sure. But I, it, there's a lot of grace, though, in my life and in her life. And, and we, God graciously has connected dots in, in a lot of the time and energy we've given to saying, hey, here's our life to a group of people and them saying the same thing and seeing G Jesus do some cool stuff with that over the years. So I'm really thankful that. For that, and I, I just wanted to say that from the get-go, just how blessed um, we have been, just kind of pressing in, not perfectly, but but living this kind of life um, on Jesus' Jesus' mission. And uh, yeah, we wouldn't be where we are today. But I also want to say, community has also brought out the worst thing in me, <laughs> and it's been the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. And I've done three tours in combat, guys. Pretty hard. That's a, that's a pretty big statement coming from me. It's a, the hardest thing I've ever done. I'm not joking. It's the hardest thing. And uh, because we're people, and we let each other down, and we hurt each other, and uh, we get really frustrated and angry with one another because of those letdowns. And man, I remember when I first started getting into community, too, and realizing I had all kinds of jealousy and impatience and just all this yucky stuff. I, I was actually almost convinced at one point maybe missional community is causing me to be a greater sinner and I need, a, I need to stop doing that. But God humbly helped me realize, no, it's already in me. Missional community is helping me now bring that out. <laughs> and God's just been really gracious and patient with me up until, you know, all, all this time. And, um, and so missional community is beautiful, but it's also messy. And it's, it's, a, it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of hard work. And I, I wanted to say the beauty and messiness of being in community. And when I say, I want to say this too, because this is a biblical, I want to make a biblical correction here, make sure we're all on the same page. When I say mission, I'm not just thinking about the lost, I'm thinking about believers. The mission of God is make disciples, and that's of believers and not yet believers, okay? So we shouldn't just think of mission as only the lost. The mission is a both and. It's the discipleship and growth of believers and not yet believers. We're all growing to Jesus, okay? We're just on a different spectrum. Want to want to state that? Well, the beauty and mess of it all, being in this kind of community, it really isn't what it does for me. Even sitting back and thanking God for the blessings, though that's that's an awesome fruit. It's it, it that that's not the ultimate thing, though. The beauty about the messiness and beauty of missional community, where where things kind of come together, is that what missional community does, or what being on Jesus' mission does, whatever you want to call it, it brings you back to Jesus. 
again and again and again. And it takes you out of yourself, which we all desperately need. Because like I've been saying every week, this church stuff, it's not about you. It's not about me. Who's it about? It's about Jesus. It's about God. And that has been the greatest gift of living this life with a group of other messy people pursuing Jesus is that Jesus keeps showing me I can't do it. I don't, got what, I don't have what it takes. In fact, there's a lot in me that I bring to the equation. That's my mess and my brokenness. And what I come to find out is I need Jesus way more than I ever thought I did. And that's the gift. That's the gift is that God crafts every moment of our life perfectly for your and my sanctification. He knows exactly what he wants to do with us all the time. And what he's always wanting to do with us fundamentally is bring us to a needy place where we're in need of him. And we get outside of ourselves and we, we go to him. And, that, and, and that's what he's up to. And that's, that's the beauty of being on Jesus' mission together, making disciples. Making disciples, it's not just something that's out there. It's something that's in here. It's something that's in us. There's a work of transformation Jesus wants to do in us. That's the gift of being on mission together, is your transformation, Jesus transforming you to look more like him so that we would worship him and he would be famous and he would receive the glory in all of life. Amen? So all the mess and hardship, living everyday life with people, it, it brings us to a place where God gets to work on us, where God gets to work on you. And so today, that's what we're going to be talking about, the importance of being part of a missional community. Two Sundays ago, I uh, kicked off our family devotion series, and in that, I mentioned that we're rolling out a new membership process. Um, if you're here for the first time, and you haven't checked your email or any of that stuff, and you're like getting shocked by that, I am sorry, um, but, there's, but there's a lot of good information for you to check out, for, listen to those first two messages. It clarifies a lot of stuff. We've sent out an email that clarifies stuff. There's stuff at the Connect table that clarifies some questions you might have right now. But please press in on, on some of the stuff that we've already been communicating because um, we put a lot of time and heart and energy into this. And so we're really asking the body to press in on, on this series. Um, last week I talked about uh, gathering on Sundays, which is one of the three of our uh, key family expectations. So please listen to that. We need to know why we do what we do so we're not acting like a bunch of machines walking around missing the why of it all because our heart won't be in it. We just kind of go through the motions. And so we don't want that. We don't want that when we gather here on Sundays. God wants to do something with us. You're called to participate, not just be spectators. And so you've got to engage this. So please listen to that. I talked about that last week. This week is, uh, like I said, missional community. Next week will be our last week on the devotion series. It's, like I said, it's going to be a little mini-series. And I'm going to talk about being contributors to Jesus' mission. And after that, we're going to get back into a book of the Bible. That's what we normally do here. If you're new here, we like to go through books of the Bible. We're, and I'm really pumped because in October we're going to be getting into Philippians. So if you want to get ahead of the game, start reading it. I'm really pumped about that. Um, but I, I want to say this too as we're hitting these three key family expectations. What we're talking about is not merely practices. This isn't just things we just need to do and learn how to do better. We're talking about identity stuff, who God's made us to be. And that as we live it out, we're trusting God and his word that it actually is going to produce life in us because it's the thing that Christ wants to do in us and through us. And so we're not just talking about practices here. We're talking about identity stuff. In fact, I would argue from the scriptures that every human has been made by God to do these things, to be with the people, to be devoted with the people, to gather with the people, to be a witness to who God is and what he's like. We've all been made. Whether you follow Jesus or not, you've been made to do that. And so what we're talking about here is who we've been made to be and live out for his namesake, okay? So that's what we're talking about. And our hope with this little short series is that you if you're a follower of Christ, you would be a part of a local church where you truly belong. You belong. You go deep. You give of yourself. Because if you're in Christ, he's in you. And guess where he wants to bring you? To his bride? And do you think he wants you to be superficial with his bride? No, he wants you to go deep with his bride. Because he loves his bride. He laid down his life for her. He bought her with the, with the purchase of his own blood. His sacrifice. And so... Our heart in this is that you would go deep. And if it's here, amen. We would love that. And if it's not, okay. 
Where is it? Go deep, belong somewhere. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus and you're just checking him out, this is a family conversation. Glad you're a part of it. Listen in, ask questions, um, because you get to hear more about what Jesus' people are about. And so we're glad you're here. All right, so Jesus, help us right now. I love you, Lord. So thankful for your presence here. As Alex was singing and sharing about, bless you, Lord. We don't deserve that. I think so often I, it's easy for us to kind of sit and hear those words about your presence here, and we kind of just, okay. We, we kind of just take it for granted, and I don't want that. Our hearts are so prone to kind of get numbed out, wander, think about other things other than the, the glory and preciousness of your name and your presence here. And I don't want that. So, Jesus, I ask, would you, would you pour out your spirit right now on us? Would you help us to not move forward in this gathering? Anyone here kind of numbed out, cynical, in a place of hurt? Would you not let anyone here, whatever whatever's going on with them, they would not be distracted that you would center their focus on you and on your word. And would you open our hearts and minds to have eyes of faith? Would you give us eyes of faith so that our sight wouldn't mess up what you want to do with us this morning? Sight gets in the way of faith. Jesus, remove sight. Replace it with eyes of faith. Hoping for the things not yet seen. As it says in Hebrews, give us that heart to see you, Jesus. You're really here. You really are the most important being in our life. You are our priority. There's no more important place we need to be than right here with you, God's people. So fill us up, Lord. Fill us up. Draw us to you. Teach us, Holy Spirit, the importance of the presence of Jesus. Transform us, Lord. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So what I'm going to do this morning is we're going to um, we're going to look at Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Many of us are very familiar with that passage, and something I want to say because we're so familiar with that passage. Before I move us forward, talking about it, what I want to say is. Um, Jesus' words to the 11 of making disciples here, this great commission, it's not just for the 11. It's meant for us. It's meant for you here in this room. They were to call others to do the same as Jesus was calling those 11 to do. And we're to keep passing on that truth and that message of making disciples to others and to others. And it keeps, it's meant to keep passing on and on and on. In fact, that's why you're sitting in this room today. It's because the Great Commission wasn't just obeyed by the leaven. It was continually obeyed by the church. Go and teach all that I've commanded, Jesus says. That was passed down to the next generation, to the next generation. The Great Commission is for us. In fact, I want you to think about this. Think about how you came to know Jesus. If you're here, you're a follower of Jesus, think about it. Just close your eyes and think about it for a second. The relationships God orchestrated, the words someone said, whatever, however it was, think about how you came to know Jesus. Take that, take a second and think about that. Now let me just ask you, was, wasn't that... Wasn't that so gracious of God to do that? Wasn't that amazing? How God interrupted your life? How God brought people to your life? Doesn't it kind of stir your affections for him when you sit and think about that? The way he pursued you? The way he used people to kind of come into your life? Don't you have a longing in your heart when you think about that to want to give that away to others that don't know him? Others who are blind like you were blind, lost like you were lost, in darkness like you were in darkness. Don't you want to give that a rest? Sit now, think for a second of those people who are in your life right now, in your everyday kind of life that don't yet know him. 
I want you to think about that person or those people. Just, just think about them for a second. Neighbor, coworker, classmate. Think about that person that doesn't know Jesus. Now, doesn't your heart long for them to know the same Father and Son and Spirit that you know? Don't you long for that? For that person that you were thinking about? I know I do. I could sit up here ball for an hour thinking about some of the people that are in my mind. I want them so badly to know what I know, this relationship that I have with Jesus. And the reason why is you were made for that. It's because God wants them to know him. God made us for that purpose. Amen? And that's good news. So I want to say it again. This commission that we're about to read, it's our commission. It's not just the leavens. And it's real. It's the people in our lives. It's the people that have spoken to our lives in the past and the people that are in our lives in the present. Okay, so let's sit with that. I want us to sit in that place as we're listening to these words from Jesus. So start reading with Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came, this is after his death and resurrection, he rose from the grave. And he came and he said to them, these are the disciples, the 11, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I want to stop there for a second. If all authority is his, what that means is Jesus gets to tell you what to do. He gets to tell me what to do. He's the king. So whatever comes next in these verses, guess what? We obey. Whatever comes next, we obey, no matter what. If he says in the next line, I want you to go spend your your days walking backwards and your evenings standing on your head. What do we do? We do it. Because it's what the king says. What the king says is what happens. We do it. Whatever he asks of us, no matter how challenging it is to our feelings, no matter how different it might be to what the culture is saying or voices are saying around us, what the king says, it goes. It happens. As much as we might struggle with it, as much as we might be challenged with it, in fact, in this context, some doubted even after they saw his resurrection. And so it's okay. We're gonna, we'll, in fact, if you don't have some doubt and don't get challenged and struggled with this, the king who gets to say stuff and we got to do it, then you're probably really not wrestling with it. Okay, so don't get freaked out by the doubt and the, the struggle thing. That's good. That's, that's showing you probably your faith is getting exercised. Okay. But man, that's a hard thing. Whatever the king says goes. Because our culture, what does it say? Whatever you say goes. Whatever you want goes. And that's ingrained in us. I don't care how much you've been going to church. Because it's made its way in the church plenty of times. I know that in my life. Whatever the king says goes. That's, that's really important for us. The other thing I want to point out just with that. What it also means is that Jesus has authority over everything, everything, every place, everything he has authority. We're not walking into any situation where you are powerless, where you are alone, where you are incapable. That is not true when you're in Christ. Wherever you go, the king goes. Jesus is always with you. He has all authority. Just read what the Bible says. That's the church. God's people feel God's presence. It's good news, isn't it? So how do we do that? How do we walk out that? What what does that look like? Jesus gives us the mission as we continue to read on in Matthew 28. He says, go therefore, authority in heaven and earth, it's mine. It's been given to me. And then Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. I'm going to stop there. Let me just stop here real quick and say, Of all nations, what it means here, that whatever context we find ourselves, we should be looking more like the people and place we find ourselves. Does that make sense? 
So we should look more like Tacoma and the Puget Sound in our gathering, whether in missional communities or Sunday gatherings. We need to look more and more like them. And this is why I hope we have greater diversity. As we keep moving forward with Jesus, we have greater diversity, not just here, but especially in our core leadership. It's my hope. That's my prayer. And I hope that's ours as a church. Why? Because Jesus said so. He said to the nations. You want to look it up in the Greek, it's like it's different ethnicities. It's different cultures. So where do we find ourselves? We got different ethnicities here. So what does Jesus want to do? Make us look different. And when I, uh, let us be diverse. So why? The world will look and see, why, what are those different people one for? Because of Christ, right? And that's not just a liberal agenda. Some of you guys are getting like, oh, man, he's getting liberal here. No, it's a Bible agenda. It's Jesus' agenda. That's what he's talking about. And it doesn't get, it's talked about throughout the scriptures. Revelations, what's going to happen? Every tribe, tongue, and nation, what are we going to do? We're all going to be together. What are we going to do? We're going to worship Jesus, the king. And the book of Revelations isn't just future. Book of Revelations is meant to be present and future. So that future reality is meant to be brought into the present by the spirit that Jesus sent. So what does he intend to do with the church? Make us look different. We're supposed to be different people. Look like the place we're reaching. Why? Because Jesus is in the neighborhoods wanting to do that. Right? Amen? So that's what's going on here. Make disciples of all nations. All right, let's finish reading Matthew 28. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The command, go make disciples, that word go in go make disciples, in its original Greek meaning, it means while you are going, make disciples. Because some can think, go. Go, go, go to that place and make disciples. That's not what that means. If you look at the original language, it's while you are going about your day, make disciples. Okay? And what Jesus is saying, he's saying we are supposed to make disciples in everything we do. Everything we do. The mission of Jesus' disciples is to make disciples of all people in all of life, where we live, where we work, where we learn, where we hang out, where we recreate, all of life. You see, when God begins a work in you, he doesn't stop working. He continues the work in you in every part of your life. Every part of your life, he's there, always working on you, in you, and through you, God just doesn't stop. He's always at work in us. He doesn't stop. Everything you do is Jesus at work in you. That's why everything counts. Everything matters. Every minute, everywhere you are at, it all matters. God is always at work, always want to make himself known, always want to show you something about who he is and what he's like, always, no matter what you're doing. And you're doing this whether you know it or not. A lot of us here, we don't even realize it half the time. That's what's so amazing about it. You, it, it it's happening whether you know it or not. You're, you're showing and telling people what you believe about God and the everyday stuff you do. What you do with your money. What you do in your job. What you do as a boss or what you do as an employee serving your boss. What you do with your coworkers and, and how you relate to each other. How you use your meal times, like every, everything you do, whatever it is, it's saying something about what you believe is true about God and what He's done for you. Everything you do, the way you play sports, the way you carry on relationships, it's all saying what you believe is true about God. Everything. And now, for some of us, what we do at times is we rob God of His glory in those things, right? We'll be the nice person, we'll be the big helper. But we'll never tell where it all came from, right? And that's robbing God of his glory because guess what? That wasn't because of you. You're not a good person just based on yourself. The Bible shows us the opposite. You know what the Bible says is you're a sinful person. It deserves God's wrath. Me too. Don't worry. I'm not trying to beat you up. That's just where we're all at. We all need grace. We all need to be rescued. But God in his kindness, he rescues us. And he gives us gifts and he gives us things that like, are, gives us life and it gives others life, but it's all meant to praise him and thank him. He gets the credit. And sometimes we rob him of that. We don't 
give him the credit. We're like, okay, thank you for the pat on the back. I am nice. I am awesome. But sometimes we also lie or distort what is true of God by the things we say or we do. It doesn't bring honor to God. It isn't in line with the scripture. It isn't in line with the gospel. It actually distorts it. It's broken. And we all fall in that. I, we all do. And we do things that can d- distort the truths of God. But what is being said here is a disciple, being a disciple of Christ, it doesn't really happen in a classroom. It's, it's, all, it's all of life where everything counts. And we want to look at everything we do in life with the lens of the gospel, who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And then how would that lead into our daily life? That's been massive for us as a church. And that's why church isn't, it's not just an hour and a half on Sunday. Though like I talked about last week, it's very important. It's massively important that we're gathering here on Sundays based on God's word. It's so evident there. So I don't want us to stop doing that. But we do not believe you can make disciples in a gathering on Sunday morning once a week for an hour and a half. That's not possible. And that, again, that doesn't even make sense in the Bible to think that way. That's not how the early church would even have thought. It's easy to live isolated lives and still be regularly a part of a Sunday gathering. It's easy. Come in something like this or come in any kind of event like this, give a couple hugs, get a couple encouragements, and go about the rest of our week living for ourselves. It's super easy. And just pretty much just be an isolated Christian. But we cannot make disciples in isolation. Being in a relationship with Jesus means you can't be in isolation. It doesn't make sense in the Bible. It doesn't make sense in the gospel. In fact, if you look at just all of Jesus' commands, do that this week. Look at all of Jesus' commands. You know what you're going to find? They all have to do with dealing with other people. You have to be engaged in community. All of his commands, it has to be worked out with a group of people that you're in life with. It doesn't make sense if it's you working them out on your own. It just it doesn't even make sense. Jesus' life, in fact, shows that. That's why Jesus didn't just say, be like me, and he taught being like him like in a classroom setting merely. He spent time with all sorts of people. He showed it by spending time with people, the people the world would call broke, broken and sinners. He spent time with them. And then he also had a group of people he really stuck it out with, even though they frustrated him from time to time. He stuck it out with people. He taught it through life, through everyday stuff. That's just what the scriptures say. So isolation and disciple making, they, they, it, it just doesn't make sense there. The gospel without knowing and loving your neighbor isn't the gospel. You guys hear me? The gospel without knowing and loving your neighbor, it's not the gospel. You could be believing all kinds of truths about the gospel, but you don't know and love your neighbor. You're missing the gospel. I I hope, let that be challenging to us, family. I'm just going off of what I see in the scriptures. The gospel that is just about you, it's not the gospel. Or just your nuclear family. It's not the gospel. Your life, if it's revolved around spouse and kids, you're missing the gospel. That isn't the gospel. Show me where in God's word. That is how we are supposed to look at and understand disciple making in Christ's bride in everyday life. You're not going to find it. It's been given to us from our culture, and I believe the church has grabbed a hold of that in Western society, but that's not in the Bible. Oh, it's all right. That's all right. Don't worry about that. But you guys hear me? The gospel without mission, being with other people, believers and not yet believers, making disciples, it isn't the gospel, okay? Some of us want to be a part of Jesus, but we don't want to be a part of lives with other people. Amen? I struggle with that. I'm a pastor. That's a problem. (laughs) It's hard. But that's just not a possibility in the Bible. The gospel isn't just what God's love can do for you or what God's love can do for me. 
knowing the neighbor and the gospel, man, they're inseparable to each other. It's inseparable. You can't pull those things apart. God's love changes us to give his love away to people. You get what I'm saying? Like, he does something in us with his love so that his love, as it's in us and working uh, in us, it would be given away through us. That's, that's the only way his love knows how to work as you read it in the scriptures. No matter what place you might be in, no matter what struggles you might be going through, and I just want to tell you, it's okay if you're struggling and things aren't going well in your life. You're just more aware of your neediness than maybe than some of us. And guess what? That neediness of Christ, you can give that away. It works. Because it makes it not about you, but about him. So maybe you got something to teach us who might think we're better off when we're really not. It's okay to be needy and broken and hurting. In fact, we all are. Some of us just don't know it. We're supposed to give away that neediness. All the more, man, we can glorify Christ and let his power rest on us. With God's love in us, we always have something to give away to others, always, even if we feel like we have nothing to bring. And I want to tell you, this is coming from someone who struggles with mental health issues. I mean, for real, many years. I mean, there's times I come home from work, and then after putting the, you know, kids down to bed, I have four kids, if you don't know me, four kids. Oldest is eight, youngest is three. Still in diapers, the third one, the fourth, the last one, so that just shows you where we're at with our, <laughs> how tired we are, no. Yeah, don't judge us, that's what my wife said. My wife's mad at me now, I told you that. Don't judge her, guys. Um, no, uh, but I come home, you know, and you, you get the kids down, and I tell you what, when I get on the couch after that, and you got well, you got to clean the house too. And then you get on the couch, and I'm just telling you what, I just want to watch Netflix, pour a glass of wine, be with my wife, and just close the blinds, man. I want to do that every night. I don't want to do anything with that sometimes. Like, seriously. And it's good to do that sometimes, by the way. Like, that's, we need that. I'm not saying we don't ever need that. But, man, every day, you know what I, like, 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 I, I have a propensity to do that. I, I just can't be around people. I got too much in my life. And man, the excuses, I can create a good defense list to God and say, God, man, look at all this work I've done for you. I need this time. I, I'm owed this. And, and so I get it, man. Oh, man. I, I, I'm trying to say that to connect with you because it's easy for me to be on stage and say, go be on mission. And everybody feels like, well, dang, how do we get, like, him who's up there all excited about God? And I, I'm just trying to bring you into my life. It's hard. It's hard. I feel, I feel the feelings you feel and the wrestlings you wrestle with. When I think about, like, when I came to faith and how I came to faith, and I, or I think about the people that don't yet know in my life, and I think about the transforming work of Jesus, and I think about how, man, he, maybe he has something about the way he wants us to live this life that's better than what I think, and that I need more than what I think I know, that what I think I need, that he's smarter than me, that he's more powerful than me, that he has more energy than me, more love than me, that he just has a better way of doing things than I do, and that at the end of giving myself over, not just to Netflix every night, or just by whatever I wanna always do and what my feelings always wanna do, but I give myself over to him, that at the end of it, I just might find real life. And that the promises of wine and Netflix or whatever or not being around people actually don't give me the life I've been looking for. And that's maybe why I keep going back to it sometimes and hoping maybe this time. But Jesus will. He'll give it to us. He'll be enough. Again, I just want to say it's not about reaching people. This Life on mission together is the gospel going deeper and deeper into us, into you. Do you guys get it? Are you, is, are you tracking with me on that? It's not just about getting a group of people. <laughs> if that's what you think, you're missing it. It's about the gospel getting into you. It's about Jesus going deeper into your life. It's about you realizing you can't do life, any life, without him. Going back to our text who is a disciple? Our passage says, a disciple is to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In baptism, 
we are identified in Jesus, with Jesus. That's what it's saying. We in Christ, what happens is we are baptized into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and therefore we find our new identity to be of God, our brand new identity to be of God in Christ Jesus. As disciples of Jesus, we're spiritually brought into, listen to this, the very nature of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're brought into the very nature of God. Isn't that crazy? John 17, Jesus prayed the prayer. Jesus prayed to the Father, and he said, would they have the glory that you've given to me? Would you have that in them? And guess what happened when the Spirit got poured out? God's very presence got poured out on us. And guess what happened? We got a new name. And guess what then happens? We get a new identity. And guess what then happens? We get a new purpose. And guess what then happens? We get new behaviors. Do you see where it starts? We get a brand new identity from God. He puts his very, his nature is on us and in us. We're connected to God. We're united to him by the blood of Jesus Christ. And the good news, nothing could ever separate us from the connection. Nothing. Romans 8 says that. Nothing could ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We're one with God. That's amazing. So when we talk about missional community, Jesus' people on mission, making disciples of believers, not yet believers, it's not formed by a bunch of people trying to do a bunch of stuff for Jesus. To think that way is to completely miss what the scripture is saying here. And MC is formed by the gospel. It's formed by the good news of Jesus Christ that the Father sent the Son and poured out his spirit. That's what forms a group. It's gospel making a small group of people into, from, uh, transformed from being dead into new life. Being made into a, a new creation and living out of what God's already made us to be. That's what a missional community is. That's what a people on mission is. It's what God's done. The new work that God's done in a people so that we could now have the ability to live out of a place he's already made us to be. And his presence is already in us to do. Like, that's what it is. Your sin is left in the grave, and you have been risen to newness of, newness of life in Jesus Christ, if you're a follower of him. That's what makes a group on mission. Amen? That's where it comes from. It's the gospel. Do you get that? Do you get what I'm saying? Or do you still think it's up to you? You still think it's up to you. I still think it's up to me, don't I? I don't think we're getting what I'm saying. The work and heavy lifting, it's not on you. It's not on me. Do you hear that? Oftentimes, I think we as Christians, we think being a disciple means, you know, you begin the relationship with God doing the heavy lifting. He saves you and he gives you a good jolt to your, your start with him. He rescues you, he saves you by grace. But now the rest of your life as a disciple is on you. It's mainly on you. It's your responsibility. He loved you so well in the beginning, do a good job afterwards. As if when Jesus returns or when we see him in the new heavens and new earth, he's going to say, thank you so much, Randy, because if you really didn't pull your weight, I don't think this whole mission thing could have happened. And we act like that sometimes. But guess what the answer to that is? No, that's not how it works. The weight isn't on you. The weight isn't on me. It's on him. It's completely on him. We work from a place of being, being with him, being known by him. We don't work from a place of owing him. We work from a place of being owned by him, being accepted by him, being loved by him. That never stopping. And that is what generates love and fruit that God wants to bear. It's him. It's about him. You guys don't get it because you're too quiet. That's all right. Well, I'll keep moving on. You're way too quiet. This is way too good. And so much story as a church to help us bring this mission of making disciples kind of a little bit more down to earth. We honed in on a three identity statements, though there's a bazillion others, and none's one better than the other, but these were just three that kind of just better help us as trying to love Jesus and obey his word in everyday life, kind of 
fight against that Western American individualism that's seeping into the church and, and really be more about Jesus and his word. And the three identity statements, many of you that have been here for a while know, family, servant, missionary, um, and they were super helpful and are helpful. When we looked at being baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, we could see a connection there with those three identity statements, family, servant, missionary. And I just want to touch on those three. Um, the first one, uh, because God is Father, what he did, what the Father did for us in his son Jesus, he makes us into a family. He makes us into a family. His work makes us into a family, not our work. It's not our work of loving one another that makes us into a family. It's his work of first loving us while we were yet sinners. He died for us. That's what makes us into a family, which is massively important to not mix that up. Because if you're loved by God and that's what makes you into a family, your lack of love for one another and forgiveness for one another doesn't absolve and get rid of the family nature God's put on you. You understand? And nor does it, our motivation comes from his love that never can be taken away versus a love that we got to continue to fight for or try to grab. In Ephesians 5.1 it says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You see, the love of God is fully displayed in the sacrifice of Christ. If you want to see the love of God, you look at the cross of Jesus. You want to see the ultimate love of God, you look at the cross of Jesus. And therefore, when we look at that, we, and what God has done, we are to be um, those who love others. And what's amazing about this is God doesn't call us to do something that he didn't first do for us. And he didn't do in us, and he isn't willing and wanting to do through us. God takes the weight of it all. He's the one who sends his son to die for our sins while we were enemies and bring us into his family. It was his work. And his love is the one that's in us to love through us. It's him. We don't do it for God. He does it in us and through us. So because we're family, we get to love one another like family the way Christ did by dying for you. And I don't know, do you know what that means? Like we're supposed to love one another like Christ did by dying for us? It's a big deal. In fact, I want to just thought about this right now with the communion bread. Like when we take communion, well, these are broken up into little pieces already, but I'm going to make my point with it anyways. The cool thing about taking communion is you, you take something physical like this and you, you do something in the natural and it kind of helps awaken up the soul a little bit and the spirit, what's really going on in the spiritual realm. And with the beautiful thing about communion we're reminded of Christ's sacrifice for us, and we take this bread, we break it, and we think about the body of Christ broken for us. And then we dip it into the cup, and we think about, you know, when the wine gets on it, the blood of Christ shed for the forgiveness of our sins, and we're just sitting like, oh, wow, the extent you would go to God to bring me into the fold, wow. And then God says, now go love one another in the same way I loved you. Like, that's, that's pretty serious. That's pretty big. So I'm supposed to look at you. I'm supposed to look at you. I'm supposed to look at you, whoever, you know, who I'm in community with and say, man, as Christ broke himself for me and gave me his life so that I might have life, he's now in me so that I would break my life. I would sacrifice myself for you, for you, for you. I would give of myself to you. Because Christ is in me to do that very thing. That's the aroma he wants to set off in this city and in this school. You guys get me now? So we, so we asked ourselves, like, what does it look like to be family? Not in the way we grew up maybe as family or not in the may, way maybe the, the, the TVs teach us family is, whatever, you know. But how, how does, like, the Bible talk about family? How do we walk this stuff out in everyday life? And it's changed, man. The way I've seen my relationship with my neighbors Sometimes I got to turn off the Netflix and put away the wine, and I got to go hang out with them. It's helped me think about it in that way. And here's how God's used that family identity with me. I have an older brother, a year and a half older. I love him to death. He lives in Virginia, and I wish we were just together. He's my bro, man. I love him. I want to be around him a lot. And God's kind of helped me use that as, like, these guys are in my life, and sometimes they're like, hey, you want to go hang out and grab a beer? I'm like, oh, deep down, I was like, I just want to go home and go to sleep and be with my, you know. And sometimes, again, I want to be clear here, the Spirit says, go home, go to sleep, or go home, watch Netflix, and grab that wine. It's okay. I'm in that too. Let's worship together doing that. Rest. I got this whole mission thing. So don't, don't hear me say that. But man, there's 
amazing times of him saying, Randy, if he was your brother, what would you do? Oh, I'd want to be with him. Hey, I, I'm going to give you something in this conversation. You're not, you don't see it yet, but just trust me. Go, go have this time and meet with them. Tell them about me. It, it, it's, just trust me, Randy. You guys get me? All right, that's family. Oh, man, look at the time. We're going to keep growing on. We're good. Baptized in the name of the Son. All authority is Jesus's. Jesus is king. We're his servants, okay? Because he's king, he makes us into his servants. That's the other identity we've talked about in the past here at Soma. We want to serve others like Jesus served us. Jesus was a king who didn't come to be served. That's what kings do. Kings were... You know, back in Jesus' time, this is what he was trying to compare. Kings are people that will take, 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 so that power increases. Not Jesus. He doesn't come to be served. He comes to serve because he has all the power in the world. So he doesn't need to grab anything. He just gives. That's, that's who our king is. It's amazing. And so he makes us into his servants, these royal servants, man, where we serve the king. And Jesus commands to lead. Jesus commands it leads us to serve others. In Matthew 25, Jesus says, whatever you've done to the least of these, what, what, is it, what does it finish saying? Whatever he done to the least of these, what does he say? Say it. You've done to me. You've done unto me. Yep. So Jesus is saying there, you know how you worship me? You serve other people as you would serve me. So we've thought about that. So think about that. As a missional community, what does it look like for us to look at one another or look at the, the broken and mess of our neighborhood or school or wherever? And what if we saw them... As Jesus himself. And how would we prioritize our life? How would we prioritize? Think about if Jesus, think about you actually seeing and, and being with Jesus. Think about that. Like he's here on earth right now. I know he's really here in this room and he's present with us. But just think about like in flesh, he's in person. How, how would you act? Think about if he... Came, to, came up to you, and he knocked on your door, or he came into your office at work, or he sat down and visited with you while you're eating lunch, how would you act? I guarantee you, you would be with him. You would be present with him. I guarantee you'd put down the iPhone. Having a conversation with him in your iPhone probably wouldn't happen, would it? Oh, yeah, 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 it's cool. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm listening. That wouldn't happen, probably, if you're hanging with Jesus. I bet, too, he, he wouldn't feel to you like an interruption. If you're in the middle of doing something, even very important, there'd be a willingness, wouldn't there, to be like, let me put this down. I want to be with you, you're Jesus. Oh, man. Is that not convicting to you? It convicts me because I am not good at that. This was probably the most heavy conviction I had as I was working through this this week. It's how much interruptions. I don't think Jesus. I think interruptions. You know what else I'm convinced, convicted about is how easily I can plan my day or my week trying to be the least or find myself in the, 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 the least amount of servant situations where I can serve people the least. I, I, I tend to subconsciously order my day and my weeks like that. How can I get by with serving people as minimal as possible? Because I don't see people as Jesus. You guys struggle with that? So what if we as a group, believing the gospel of Jesus Christ, who has a king who didn't come to be served but to serve, and he gives us this new identity is actually in us, what does it look like for us to serve one another as if we were actually serving Jesus? And that's how we, we think about Another way we think about missional community as far as our identity goes. And that would lead us to actually see people and be with people. If you want to know how to reach people, you got to be with them. You got to be present. You got to ask them questions. You got to listen to their longings and pains and hurts. You got to pay attention to those things. We're going to be going to school or, or work, wherever you're really going. You're there to be present with people. That's foundational to giving away the presence of Jesus. That's how Jesus served, and that's how he's trying to teach us to serve others as if we're serving. Because we would sure as heck be present with him. 
If you're wondering, where do I start? How do I, I don't even know how to begin this. I feel convicted, Randy. How do I start? Prayer and presence, man. You ask Jesus where he wants you to start. Who, who are those people? I mean, he, he'll make it very easy. He'll, he'll show you. I promise you if you ask him. He'll show you. I promise. And then presence, just pay attention. Sometimes we make the prayer thing too hard. Like, oh, God, please show me, please show me, please show me, please show me, please show me. And we're not looking around. It's like, okay, I am showing you. Just lift your head up and get outside your house and look. That person, it's going to happen. Don't make this hard. You know, don't sit in your prayer closet until he shows you. Like, pray and walk outside your house, and he'll show you. Just trust it. And, 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 I just, and there's things that we have in our life, like, that, that, that we have. We have spaces that we can give away to others, that give away presence to others, our, our, our very own presence, and, and see them and help people be seen. And, man, and we've said this over years, years, hospitality, our own home, our, our, our times of having meals, those are key for Lisa and I, just so we can make sure we don't give in to the, 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 the Netflix God, the Netflix God, uh, like I was talking about. We're, we're, we look at our week, and we say, okay, Lord, our times of dinner, we, we have times where it's just with our family and with each other, and those are precious and important. But what times, what other days can we say, Lord, this is your time, this is your space. What other days do you want us to invite the believer and not yet believer in so that they can be blessed? Because we're here to be blessing, because you've blessed us and you're with us. It's that simple. And you just pray and ask, and it's funny, he gives us names. I mean, we're not doing anything like, it's not rocket science. We're just, but it's hard. It's hard, right? Because when that day comes and that person's coming, I'm like, oh, why did we invite them over? Please cancel. Please cancel. No, they didn't cancel. Did you get a text? I didn't get a text. Man, this is like, Lord. And then, but at the end of it, after it's done, it's like, wow, God, that was amazing. Thank you. <laughs> That's why it's all him. He gets the credit because we're weak, man, and frail. He's the one that carries us along, right? Or am I the only one that does that? I guess it might just be me. Um, Baptized in the name of the Holy Spirit, we will testify and witness to who God is. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We will always witness to the truth of God. Whatever we do, it's meant to be accompanied by what we say. We were made to tell people about Jesus, amen? If you're just being a nice person and you're always getting patted on your back for being a nice person, I want to challenge you. Quit taking the credit. Tell them about Jesus. Jesus is the one who gave you that. And I say that with love and as someone who struggles with the same thing. Even though I love to talk about Jesus, I find myself in situations where I'm like, oh, man, I kind of want to say it's all about him, but what, what is this person going to react? And that's a real awkward thing we got to work through. But, oh, guys, you have no idea what Jesus will do with that. Even if it's awkward in the moment, you have no idea what kind of seed that produces. The stories I could tell you right now, being in the military and facing that and seeing people come to faith later on. Trust the Lord. Trust him. We don't please man. We please God. And, and, yeah, all right, I'm going to move us on just for the sake of time. And the other thing I just want to mention about the Holy Spirit, besides being his witnesses, his missionaries, telling others about him, the Spirit has to be in us. John 15 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me will bear fruit. Because apart from me, we can do what? Apart from me, we can do? Apart from me, we can do? Jesus always leads you into a life you can't do without him. Always. He's always trying to lead you there. You can't do without him. It's Jesus with you. Jesus has to abide in you. Do you guys hear me? I'm going longer on this because I don't believe you guys hear me. God saves the people and he puts us into his family. God saves a, a bunch of servants that he makes into servants and he puts us into his kingdom. God saves the people and he grafts us into his vine. It's his work. It's on him. It's not on you. He does it. God is the one from beginning to end. He does the work. He begins it. He sustains it, empowers it. He finishes it. It's God's work. It's all him. It's not about what you can pull off. It's not about what I can pull off. It's not about what our missional communities can pull off. It's about what Christ can pull off. It's about what he is going to pull off. Because it's all about him and it's all for him. Do you guys get what I'm saying? 
That is the only way this missional community type thing can work. The reason why is we don't get along with each other. And community stuff is hard. We fight, we bicker, we slander. We need Christ's grace to come in and heal, convict, lead us to repentance and reconciliation. It's Christ that does it. We can't possibly do it with each other. And I want to say this too. Your aspirations of community could potentially be one of the biggest downfalls of community when you come into one. Let me read you this Dietrich Bonhoeffer quote. Those who love their dream of a Christian community more than they love the Christian community itself become destroyers of that Christian community, even though their personal intentions may be ever so honest, earnest, and sacrificial. What Dietrich is saying here is, if you come into community for any other reason than Jesus, if you come into a community because you got just hyped up on Acts 2 and seeing the devotion to one another, and you're like, oh, I want that. And you're coming in there saying like, oh, man, I just want people to love me. I just finally want people to see me. I finally want to give, like, show off my gifts or, you know, I just, I, these good things that it's good to desire. But that's like the reason you're coming into community is to get something for yourself. You will destroy the community or you'll give up on it and you'll leave it. I've seen it. And guess what? I've seen it in my own heart. How many times I've wanted to quit community? How many times I want to be done with it? And you know, I'll sit with Jesus sometimes in silence and solitude. I'm like, gosh, look at this person. Or why don't they do this? Or why don't they do that? And I'm grumbling and angry talking to God. And you know what God the Father subtly does with me? Thank God with no condemnation or shame. But you know what he does with me? He says, hey, Randy, let's talk about some of the ways I've been patient with you. And putting up with your sin and your brokenness. And the ways I've loved you. And the ways that... I could have thrown you out or been done with you, but I, but I haven't. I've always been kind to you, gentle with you, loving you. And immediate conviction of like, oh, man, I need this. Oh, man, I'm struggling with patience. Oh, man, I'm struggling with love. Oh, Jesus, I need you. And that's the point. That's why we do this community thing is we need Jesus. He wants to change us. He wants to sanctify us. He wants to create these moments again and again where we come to the end of ourselves and we say, oh, Jesus, I need you. He's the one that's going to do it. So that's, what, that's the point of community. It's Jesus. And as we finish up, and that's why the good news is all authority is his. Jesus will do it in you and through you. Even if you fail being on mission, guess what? Jesus is going to make sure it happens because he says he's going to be with us to the very end of the age. And the good news is, is God is not overwhelmed by all the craziness of our day. We might be, but he isn't. He's just not overwhelmed with the craziness of your life. He's not overwhelmed with the craziness of our culture. He's not overwhelmed by all the stuff you read on social media. He's not actually overwhelmed by that. God got it. He's not overwhelmed by any of that stuff. We might be, but he isn't. Can he save a people and make disciples in our day? That's the question we have to ask. Can God do it? Can God save a people? Can God save us and, and, and make disciples and carry on his mission in our day? Can he do it? Do you believe? Can he do it? I mean, that's I mean, really what we're wrestling with. Did he make a mistake with you? Did he make you a new creation? Do you feel like sometimes he made a mistake? Like, oh, crap. He looks at me sometimes like, oh, didn't, shouldn't have chose that one. I think sometimes we feel that. I think that's why sometimes the mission of God, it becomes more of a weight than something that's fun and joy-filled. Because we're actually not receiving the free gift of, of his love. We, we, we don't feel like we've ever, we, we got to do more. We got to do more. We're never enough. We got to do, we got to hide because we we're not doing enough. If we, but we don't get it. He puts you in the family, not because you did something good, but because he's good. You can't ever not get to a place where you're not doing enough. He's enough. Do you get what I'm saying now? It's, he, the work is finished. He, his love is sufficient. He puts you into his home. So can he pull off the mission? Yes, he can. I think he's up to the task. Because I don't look at the room and say, man, can he pull this off? I look at him and I say, yeah, he can pull this off. Amen? All right. 
We went over time, but I just felt like the Lord put that on my heart to do that. Well, uh, let's finish up with, uh, why don't we do one song, okay? And uh, stand up, family, with me. And uh, during this song, at any point, you can go, grab, go to the table at any point, grab the elements. You can also do it after the song as you're praying and connecting with each other. So don't feel like you got to do it just during the song. But we're going to close with one song. Um, but during this song, I, I just want to say this, this life of making disciples, it starts with surrendering to him. Here's my dreams. Here's my expectations. Here's my life. Because he already bought it. So you're just practicing something that's already true if you're his. And, 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 and you let him do with you what he desires to do. And he'll build his church. It's just how this thing works. So I'm going to pray for us that you would receive him right now with a heart of surrender. And that anything getting in the way of him leading you on his mission, he would remove. You would give it to him and you allow him to remove it. And he'll do it in his way and his timing, okay? So Jesus, we love you. We praise you as we sing with your Holy Spirit. Tear down walls. Tear down obstacles. Remove anything that's getting in the way for us, loving you more than anything else in our life so that we would be on your mission and see you glorified in all of it. So Jesus, lead us right now to surrender and worship you, spirit and truth.